it's a big topic. This yeah. retirement funds are, yeah, yeah, as Brad said, big topic. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. episode 349 of Text Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Let's assume an Australian individual, let's assume it's Bob, our friend Bob. Let's assume Bob has a 401k retirement plan when he returns from the US back to Australia. How is this 401k retirement plan taxed in Australia? That is what Bradley Murphy and Darren Casserole of Murphy Tax in Sydney will discuss with you in this episode. And the answer might really scare you. Bradley and Darren will also touch on the taxation of Australian super in the US, which you might remember we covered in US 13 with Martha Dungog of Visas Worldwide. And as you might recall, the US, including the IS, is seriously confused by our superannuation system. And they're probably not the only ones. But back to four case in Australia, here are Bradley Murphy and Darren Catherine. So this is where we see this big mismatch between the two countries. So Australia doesn't recognize US retirement plans and the US doesn't recognize Australian super. So if you've got, you know, Bob coming back to Australia with a 401k or IRA, that means it's effectively a foreign trust for Australian tax purposes under a fund section called 99B of the Tax Act, section 99B. And what that means is that because Australia doesn't recognize it as super in Australia, when Bob takes our distribution from the 401k or IRA, Australia would tax the growth of that as income at his marginal tax rate in Australia. When does Australia tax that 401k? Does it tax the unrealized growth or the unrealized gains? I assume no. It taxes it when it gets paid out. That's correct. correct. I knew, yeah, when it's paid out is a taxing point. So um, not the unrealized capital gains year on year. So yeah, when it's paid out, that's a taxing point in Australia. And what that means is the contributions that have been made to the 401k IRA, so contributions by the employer and the employee form the corpus, which is not taxable. So it's the growth above that, which is taxable at Bob's marginal rate in Australia. In, the, in America, the treatment's going to depend on a couple of factors. Assuming Bob's a non-US citizen, there will be an automatic withholding tax of 30% on withdrawal in America. But you can actually apply under the tax treaty Article 18, to have that withholding tax removed on the basis that Bob's an Australian tax resident. Do so, you need a valid W8BEN and give that to the 401k provider in the United States. And they shouldn't withhold on that in America. So it should only fall taxable in, in Australia. We see some funny things with the US 401k providers. Um, some will just ignore the W8BEN and still withhold 30% which means that Bob has a couple of options. Bob can either claim the FITO in Australia, so claim the foreign tax offset in Australia for the 30% tax paid in America, or can actually lodge a US return and get that refunded. But that's at a high level. And I guess just quickly to round it out, there, there is some planning that can be done to mitigate the Australian tax because the Australian tax is obviously going to be quite high. You know, assuming Bob's been there for 15, 20 years and the funds got... Apple, Google in it, you're going to see some very nice growth in there, you know, over a million dollars, for example. 
that if he doesn't plan, will be hit with 47% tax effectively. Two questions. The first one is, you said on the 401k, you only pay tax on the gross. So you don't pay tax on the corpus, on the contributions from the employer and the employee. You only pay tax on the capital gain within that fund, correct? Correct. Yeah. Good. And so then in Australia, is it a capital gain or is it a normal gain or is it normal income? So the, when Brad referenced <coughs> section 99B as being the fun section, <laughs> it's really quite punitive. The effect of that section means it, re, it has the power to reclassify the capital gain to income because it's a, it operates in a hypothetical world. And so if you're receiving a distribution from that 401k as an Australian tax resident, that section just says, if it was taxable, taxable to you, but because it's in the land of tax fiction, there's no discount available for tax for capital gain. There's no losses that can be utilized. It is a very, very punitive section. And it's, it's a very complex in the way that it applies. But just to note that ordinarily, for example, just a complete contrast, if Bob held shares in Google himself, came back to Australia, held them for 12 months and sold the shares, he'd be eligible for that discount capital gain. Conversely, if the 401k had the same shares in there and those shares were sold to fund a distribution to Bob, it would lose its character as a capital gain for Australian tax purposes and just be fully taxable as income, less the proportion of corpus. Okay. So just to um, play out this example, let's say Bob holds shares of 1 million in Google and let's assume he basically bought them for nothing. If he holds them directly, He leaves the US, so there's no exit tax in the US. He arrives in Australia when they're worth 1 million. When he sells them after 12 months, they're worth 1.1 million. He has a capital gain of $100,000, which with the 50% discount, all he pays tax on is $50,000. Whereas if he holds those shares in a 401k and then the 1.1 million is paid out, then the full 1.1 million hits his tax return. So we have a difference of basically 1.05 million in this example. Yeah, less the proportion yeah. that is related to his contributions, you know. Yes. So yeah. And in, in this example, we assumed he paid $1.50 for those Google shares. So yeah, assume yeah. that, yeah. yeah. Assume yeah. no capital. That's, that is the power of that section. And it's a very wide-reaching section because... It's a cascading section. So it deems everything as income first, and then you go through the, the uh, mechanics of identifying what parts of that amount are not included in income. It's a very, very complex provision, and it's very, very wide-reaching. So, Can you request a payout of 401k before you leave America, because I assume it will be a lot more advantageous if this $1 million of Google shares is paid out before you leave America. Potentially, yes. There's an early penalty if you withdraw before 59 and a half. So you pay a 10% early withdrawal fee if you're under 59 in America, which is a bit of a stickler. And secondly, if you're still an American resident, you'll still pay American tax on it. 
as well. Don't forget. So when you pull it out in America, if you're a US resident, you'll pay income tax in America on the 401k as well. So it's one of those ones where there's never a one size fits all type approach. Like normally a really good way of doing it. Cause we've seen the 401ks, the growth is just phenomenal. Normally like, you know, Experts that have been there for 20 years have huge 401k balances normally. If you know, if they wait to it, they're retired in Australia, you can sort of manage that by doing withdrawals over a number of tax years in Australia. And when they're retired, the effective tax rate in Australia could be a lot less given it's taxed their marginal rate in retirement. That combined with potentially concessional contributions to super can help lower that a bit. But it's really not a one-size-fits-all type approach. You need like a detailed modeling and advice on every situation because everyone's different of course mm. that's a good advice basically so if you withdrew twenty five thousand a year and then contribute that to super you can claim a tax deduction and then basically have no taxable income for those twenty five thousand assuming yes exactly but assuming you don't have the twenty five thousand and then you could withdraw another twenty thousand and that's still within the tax exempt threshold so you could withdraw forty five thousand k a year and um, basically yeah get away with it yeah but of course you would still need to be at an age where you can contribute to super so i'm gonna say like with the rules that have just now been extended from 1 July. Do you know, they've sort of shut off the work test now up to 67, uh, you know, the, the goalposts are now 74, right? For, you know, so you can be in that temporary retirement mode up until very late, yeah. you know, in, in life and still make these contributions. And like, there's a bit of a washing machine that can happen, you know, as you're a bit older and sort of semi-retired with that contribution in, you know, late in the financial year and then converting it, <laughs> you know, yeah. July, August, the year after. I think yeah. some people were doing that with some of that um, coronavirus, <laughs> you know, the $10,000 or whatever it was. But, um, you know, if you're eligible to make those contributions, then yes, it can be uh, an effective strategy with only a timing difference in the superannuation account until you can get the money back but again it's a case by case you know it depends what's in australian super what you're doing mm. you know what your balances are so yeah again very much a individual case by case if you're going to deploy a strategy like that it needs to be backed up with some advice definitely yeah yeah it's a bit of a shame there's no mutual recognition of retirement plans between australia and the us under the treaty hopefully it would change going forward you know, there's been obviously a lot of consultation with Treasury about it. So hopefully at some point it does get changed. So it is recognised in both countries. I know like the UK and American treaty, for example, is far more effective in terms of recognising UK pensions and US 401ks. Um, unfortunately, Australia, you know, is way off the mark at the moment in terms of that. But I think hopefully, who knows, within 10 years, it may get changed. But for the time being, we're stuck with this situation that's uh, far from ideal. <laughs> I think just one more thing would be at the moment, the ATO has a real focus on, on foreign income, as we all know, via Austrack and Austrack reporting. So what we do see from time to time is, you know, Austrack picks up the money transfer into Australia and said, we're seeing some foreign income coming in from a 401k, for example, from a US trust. And effectively the onus is on the taxpayer to prove that it's not taxable to them. So the starting point is from the ATO's eyes, it's all taxable unless you can prove otherwise, really. That's what 
I think we're seeing a lot of at the moment, it's really important for clients to get advice around that. And sometimes it can make sense to get a ruling from the ATO in advance of taking out a distribution. So getting a ruling obviously gives you, you know, uh, comfort on the, on the law, gives you a chance to be on the front foot with it rather than sort of waiting, you know, to the ATO might, if they pick it up, then you're on the back foot trying to defend your position. And I think as Darren said, like there are sort of, obviously the starting point is from the ATO's eyes, it's all taxable, but in reality, there's probably corpus in there that may be exempt. So that's obviously really important to look at what that corpus is as well. Good. And then my last question is um, on our list, we have Australian Employment Income, ESS Income, and I assume ESS stands for Employee Share Schemes, and then also Australian Super. Those three, Australian Employment Income, ESS Income, and Australian Super, is only an issue for Bob coming back from the US to Australia. It's only an issue if Bob is either a US citizen, has a green card, or still passes the significant presence test. Because if he doesn't pass any of those, he's no longer a US tax resident, and hence we don't really need to worry about, there is really not any issue with regard to Australian employment, ESS income, and Australian super, correct? Again, this is a, a big topic that might need some more time, but just, just quickly, essentially, yes. But the issue we sometimes see, especially at the moment during COVID with employment income, is you have people still employed by US companies. So they're working from Australia remotely for a US employer. So obviously Australia is going to tax the income as employment income in Australia. So Australia would tax the income first given their Australian resident taxpayers. If they're still on a US payroll, they're paying US withholding tax under a W-2 in the United States. So there's been tax withheld in America where they probably shouldn't be. And the issue is getting that money back for America is very difficult. So because Australia would tax it first, the credit should go the other way. To America, America should be given the credit. So there can be a situation where that you know they're paying tax in Australia as they should be. They're out of pocket the US withholding tax. It's a file return in America in America to get the money back off America. So there's all it's really important in that situation to, to think about timing of that. You know, speak to your employer before you come to Australia to try and get the withholding switched off if you can, or revert to a contractor as well, possibly. So it's just really about timing, just managing that situation, okay? Mm -hmm. And very similar with ESS, so employee share income as well. The biggest thing we see here is where you've got, you know, you've been living in America, for example. Bob's been in America. He's got some significant employee stock options or employee shares through Google, Facebook, as it be. He, he's come to Australia and exercised the option in Australia. So he might have been living in America for, say, 10 years, And the options are vested in America over that whole 10-year period. But he comes to Australia, exercises the options. Australia says that on exercise of those options, it's taxable as income in Australia at 47% in Australia. Obviously, with a credit for what's being paid in America, but the Australian tax rate is normally a little bit higher than the American rate. Again, just something to watch out for. And that's where some planning on the move to Australia you know, is really important because potentially it could alleviate that situation not be in that situation in the first place. Mm. Yeah. And because yeah. it's not in that situation, if you're on a US payroll, there's no reporting to the ATO given, you know, well, the US employee is meant to, but we see a lot of them just don't for a number of reasons. So the onus is on the taxpayer to voluntarily report that on their return. And obviously that they should be doing so. So <laughs> yeah, it's always intriguing that one. 
Yeah. And so, of course, so I assume that the ESS scheme, the employee share scheme was an Australian scheme. But of course, if it's a US scheme, then it is an issue. And so if Bob had already received shares through an ESS income, then the value of those shares would just go through the rebasing when he arrives, just like any other shares he holds. But of course, if the ESS scheme then still feeds him options or shares after he arrived in Australia, then of course we have the issue of double taxation that we are Exactly. And that's where there's that real big difference. You know, As you mentioned, if they actually fully vested the ESS shares, you get that great outcome of a rebasing when they come to Australia and tax as a capital gain and as a discount capital gain and hopefully no American tax. Whereas if they invest well in Australia, it's still income tax at you know 47%. So there's that real difference there between tax treatment. Hmm. Okay. And then Australian super is not really an issue if, as long as Bob is not an Australian, uh, a US citizen, you know, as long as Bob stops being a resident alien. As long as he becomes a non-resident alien, Australian super is not an issue. But of course, if he's a resident alien, then it is an issue. Yeah, exactly. So the, the key point there is to watch out for if they're American citizens or American green card holders, that uh, the Australian super is taxable in America. So that involves the growth of the fund is taxable in America and also contributions, voluntary contributions made to the, the plan is also taxable in America. So, so watch out for that one. But you're right, if they're a non-US resident alien, then that issue goes away. So if you're, you know, in Bob's case, he's on the E3 visa and came back to Australia, didn't have a green card, he would be fine to contribute to super once he's back in Australia. And that is one other planning point just quickly is um, you're probably aware you've got the concessional contributions cap each year. If you don't use that cap year on year, you can actually bring forward your unused cap for up to four years. So Bob might have the opportunity to put in rather than $27,000 into super, up to sort of $75,000 when he comes back to Australia. Four years of unused cap, yeah. That's a good thought. If you know you're going back to Australia, stop your concessional contributions and then pick them up when you are in Australia. Just quickly, the Australian super, you said the Australian super is taxed in the US based on the growth of the fund. So unrealized gains are taxed in the US. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So effectively, Australian super is taxable in one of two ways. So basically, the Australian super funds are known as grantor trusts in America. And the year-on-year -year growth, the unrealized growth is taxable in America. And secondly, contributions have been made to the fund are also taxable as income in America. So if you're making personal contributions on a voluntary basis to your super, that's taxable as income in America. Yeah, so you basically pay tax on that income twice. So when you earn it, you pay tax on it. And then when you contribute it to super, you pay tax again. Exactly. That's yep, that's right. Good. But then you don't pay any tax on the distribution of super, correct? In America. You mean when you receive your super? Yes. That is then tax-free in America, correct? Or probably that's a good question. It's a really complex question. Depends who you speak to in America would take a different view, but I would say probably taxable. In America. So that means you pay tax on it when the money goes in and then you pay tax again when the money comes out? Correct. Yeah. Because of this mismatch with these rules, because there's effectively a grantor trust in America. Yeah, foreign granted trust. Crazy yeah. situation where you're right, you're effectively, you're paying tax year on year on the unrealized growth and then you're paying tax when it goes in and when it goes out. So for Australians living in America, you really want to make sure you're aware of that issue. 
and you know, don't make voluntary contributions to your super while living in America? So if employer contributions are okay? Yes. Superannuation guarantee is okay? That's normally voluntary. normally okay. Yeah, correct. It's more the voluntary contributions that you do over and above the employer contributions. That's a very sort of like specialized area. And I would say like, you know, if you speak to 10 American accountants, they'll take a different yeah. view. So I think um, just make sure they you know, get the right advice on the American side. And we have a great US partner that we can help them with and refer them to. So I remember um, doing an episode with Martha Dungog of with us worldwide in California about Australian super in America. And it seems to be that the IIS is actually not certain how to treat Australian super. There seem to be different approaches. Some of them treat the uh, part of the fund that is due to superannuation guarantee as basically social security payments that are then not subject to tax well, you know, text up to from a certain threshold on, and then only the voluntary contributions basically as a foreign grantor trust. But there seem to be different opinions and no general agreement, even within the IIS. Do you have that impression as well? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good summary. Yeah, I think there's no sort of consensus in America on it. I mean, I think the IRS has a view on it, which is sort of a little grey. I mean, there's, there's been no public guidance, I don't think, by the IRS. There's been no public rulings on it. So I think that's what's causing the sort of the issues. There's no clear guidance on it in America. Well, I think key point, obviously, get advice before you come back to Australia well in advance. You know, normally we'd recommend getting advice sort of at least six months out. Really think about your plan going forward. Make sure you have valuations of all your foreign assets before you come to Australia. Again, that's just the key point. I think just make sure you Get advice before you come. There's some mismatches there that can cause some, some pain. There's also some planning opportunities to be done. So normally, you know, if you're planning enough in advance, you can alleviate those issues and get yourself set up in the, in the best manner. I mean, just quickly on, on the compliance too, we haven't really touched on the compliance piece, but that's another complex area. So the US and Australian reporting in that year you're moving to Australia is, is quite complex. So make sure you get a good accountant to help out with that. <laughs> You know, you've got obviously a split year in America, split year in Australia. The, the timing of payments is, is really key. Timing of tax payments, the IRS, the ATO, claiming foreign tax credits is really important as well. But yeah, look, we're really happy to help. We specialize in this area. Yeah. Do you do the Australian tax returns? Yes, we do. We do. Okay. And, but you don't do the US tax returns, correct? Do no, US we don't. Tax? So our, our American partner firm does the American filings. Our yeah. firm does the Australian filings. Yeah. Who are your American partner firms? We've got a couple of partner firms we use. So um, yeah, very happy to give their details. Because there's actually not that many firms who do US Australia. No, there's not. You're right. So it's a bit of an area. Like, unlike the UK, there's a lot more firms doing it. You know, the US is only probably three or four firms, I think, specializing in US and Australian tax. So. Welcome back. So 401ks are as dangerous in Australia as Australian super is in the US. Both can mean massive tax bills in the other country that destroy the concessional tax treatment originally intended. In the next episode, episode 350, let's talk about inventory management. Tony Harcourt of RIPE in Sydney will talk about inventory management systems for small to medium businesses, especially SIN7, Deer and Unleash. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.